Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second in the series of the One Medical Podcast, One in Focus, where we are hoping to showcase the interesting lives of doctors, clients, our team, and in general, just the weird and wonderful world of healthcare that we all work in and love. And last time we had Dr. Michelle Withers, an emergency medicine specialist on uh, with uh, Ben Lepke, having a conversation with her. Today, we've decided to come in-house and meet our amazing Verity Bat. Verity is an accomplished medical recruiter and focuses on the rural and remote space within the Australian healthcare market. She comes from a line of doctor heritage as her father is an amazing GP obstetrician, Dr. David Bat from South Australia. I have had the pleasure of working with Verity now for over a decade, I believe. So without more to do, let's hear from the main lady herself. How are you, Vez? Thanks for the intro, Ryan. Um, all very well up here in Brisbane, thanks. Um, as you said, Dr. David Batt, my father, um, is a GP obstetrician and has been working in Victor Harbour since I was, well, before I was born, in fact. So rural medicine has always been an aspect of my life. Um, I remember very fondly as a little girl um, going on home visits with my dad um, to visit patients after hours and sitting on the ends of beds of patients and always putting a smile to their faces, whether they were elderly or whatever it might be. Um, and another um, really fond memory is when dad would come home and there would be new little babies that would be delivered and we would hear about their names and on the odd opportunity, we'd also get to go and visit the new babies he'd delivered in hospital. So I guess rural medicine um, has been um, part of my background and upbringing um, growing up in Victor Harbour in South Australia. Um, I then schooled in Adelaide um, and did a gap year both to Costa Rica and to Spain um, as part of my law degree. Um, I guess from there I worked in private practice in both Adelaide um, and then in Sydney um, and in 2011, so as Ryan said, over a decade ago, I was looking for a bit of a career change um, and that is when I fell into medical recruitment um, and met Ben and Ryan and that's where I'm at now, 11 years later. So. Just, just looking at you on the screen here, you're still looking a lot fresher faced 11 years down the line than what I'm currently looking here, Verity. So it's. Uh... <laughs> I have a one year old and a two year old, and you've got two cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm well aware of that. I can hear them trying to uh, break into the door here. Um, so. Lovely background there. I've started to recall some more memories from uh, some of your childhood about uh, some of the adventures your dad used to go up to then, but we'll maybe touch on them later. Um, Verity, you're a very successful medical recruiter. You've been doing this for quite some time now. You've seen a lot. And um, what does a day look like in the life of a, a medical recruiter in Australia? Gosh, well, I guess no day is the same, um, but I guess in every day there's always conversations. A lot of my day is spent on the phone, whether it's talking to existing locums about their current contracts or what they might be doing in the future, uh, but a lot of it is also talking to new locums about what um, they might be looking for in an agent. Um, similarly, we always talk to the hospitals, to those client contacts, to directors, talking about what requirements they have at present and down in the future to see where we can assist in their medical staffing. Um, every day there is travel, there is Medicare, there is credentialing, um, there are references, there is... I thought, I thought you were going to say every, every day there's trouble before you well, said the word trouble. <laughs> there's always complexities that are involved um, on the back end of dealing with a, a busy recruitment desk. Um, so yeah, no, no day is the same, but it's a, always a busy day. I like to have a bit of a plan, but it never seems to go to, go to, go to plan as such. So. Have you always found that the days fly by in medical recruitment? They are fast. <laughs> I don't know what's faster, whether my mornings and evenings with my 
two little children or my actual recruitment day. I'm not sure which is easier and which is faster. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the best thing about placing in rural Australia? Um, what, do, what do you what do you enjoy the most? What gives you the most pleasure? I think knowing that you're directly helping rural hospitals with their medical um, cover in their hospitals, um, helping out what might be your grandparents or your children or your aunties, uncles, parents um, in these remote communities that are um, so desperately seeking good medical cover. Um, just before we started this, I've hopped off the phone to um, a GP anaesthetist that I've known for almost all my life, in fact, but he's a current locum. And I was just hearing about his recent experiences working in rural um, Queensland um, as a locum and going over and above. It was a story about, um, you know, a, a patient, an elderly patient that desperately needed some medical care. Um, he was terrified of going to the hospital and the clinic because he didn't know who was working there. Um, so this particular locum took it out of his time to go and do a home visit. Um, and within five minutes, the daughter of this man had called up and said, when can he come to hospital to have the procedure done that he needed? So it just shows um, that if you get these good regular um, locums going out to communities, it really instills the trust um, of these patients that um, perhaps don't have that fortunate um, ongoing care in some of these locations that we support. Yeah, it's um, again, without getting too emotional into it, it really does feel, I suppose, like you are making a difference sometimes of some of the work that you do. Um, I myself, as you know, um, started off in the same place, um, placing doctors into rural Australia, again, with a heavy focus on uh, on Queensland. I some days gladly really wish I was back doing that uh, I'm quite jealous of what you get up to and some of the other guys as well um, but um, with regards to getting some kind of sort of enjoyment out of the role it really does feel like a different achievement when you actually get the right doctor to the right location and resolve the issue for everyone involved and hopefully of course have positive outcomes with the communities um, What's the best thing about placing in, uh, sorry, not the best thing, I've already asked that question. What's the most challenging thing about uh, placing in rural Australia? I, I think at the moment it's the doctor shortage that we have. Um, so as much as we are desperately trying to help out all of the rural hospitals, there are not enough locum doctors to go around at the moment for what the staffing needs are. So it's really difficult to have those conversations um, and as it's equally rewarding to place doctors into some areas of need, it feels um, like you're always letting down certain hospitals that can't find the cover that they need. So I think that's at the current market, that's my biggest challenge. Do you find that the people that you work with tend to work with you on those challenges? People that, you know, the, the more regular locums that work in these locations and they help you get around some of these issues? Absolutely. Um, and when we're looking at what our locum staff force is, you're often looking at full-time locums who might do rotational work, whether it's week on, week off, two weeks on, two weeks off, all sorts of different rotations. So I guess one of the rewarding parts of my role is when we get these full-time locums that go back and provide um, continuity to um, some of these towns and remote communities. Um, and that's always a really rewarding aspect of my job. So if I could, I guess, uh, times those doctors by 10 of what I have of those full-time locums and go out and support those other areas that are in need, then it would make it a, um, all the much easier and more rewarding, I suppose. You mentioned full-time locums. What do you think it is that um, makes a, a doctor transition into that, um, into that sort of situation where they are mainly conducting full-time locum work, even if it's on a part-time basis, but as opposed to mainly 
maybe sorry having a um, some form of permanent position or some kind of point whatever it might be FTE somewhere. Sure, I guess f when I consider the full-time locums that I have um, and that I work with, most of them are based, it might be in Brisbane or in Melbourne or in Sydney, and they have young families or families that, or wives that have jobs that are in those cities, um, but these doctors, their true passion is rural and remote. So by being a full-time locum and doing rotational work, it allows them to um, keep their hand in and do the work that they're passionate about, but it enables their children to go to the schools that they want or their um, partners, their respective partners to have the jobs um, that they need. Um, and it creates a really good work-life balance. Um, they're also able to go and do, you know, two weeks of solid work and then have two weeks off to recover. So it really does maximise, whilst they'll only be working six months of the year, it, they maximise their, their incomes. Um, and while they're away, they really do um, work quite hard. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we often get into debates with people around is about how much the doctors earn. But again, I'm I'm quite open to have that conversation with people. They they get paid well for a difficult job, and quite often that job means that they have to make sacrifices in other parts of their life. So if they are working away from home, that's an obvious sacrifice. But then a lot of stuff that doesn't also get seen is that that working away from home might mean that they have to travel there and back. It might mean that they can't commit to any form of work when they're actually back at home because they can't fit into whatever local work may or may not be available. So yes, they do get paid well, but there's a reason for that. It's a supply and demand issue. So we'll probably probably not talk too much more about locum rates because it's, it's a hot topic that uh, divides people, so to speak, L like most things these days. Um, where's the most unique location you've ever placed a doctor? Oh gosh, being I guess working in rural and remote, we cover such a such a grand part of Australia. But I guess islands always come to mind. Um, Norfolk Island, I placed into um, you know some time ago, um, in, and that's considered under New South Wales Health. Um, and I think it was quite a a quiet location, but a, certainly a a uh, working holiday destination for the for the doctor and his family, who is he was able to take over with him. Um, and I guess other places, Thursday Island, right up in uh, the top end of Australia, um, you know, uh, from from the islands up there, you're only, you know, certain kilometres off, I think four or five kilometres off um, PNG and other, other areas there. So that's I it. think that's what that's one of your dad's uh, preferred locations historically. He, he, he has been to Thursday Island and at present he's actually locoming on Kangaroo Island. So, um, yeah, again, um, you know, some fantastic destinations to get to. Um, another favourite for a lot of locums is Exmouth. So that's over on the um, coast of WA um, and not too far is where you can actually go swimming with the whale sharks. So it's pretty uh, fascinating areas. Um, look, they're just some great destinations, but there's also some, you know, amazing indi Indigenous communities that um, we place into. Um, and there's also larger hospitals, so places like Rockhampton or Yapoon or Geraldton. There's lots of um, sort of larger hospitals that um, doctors like to go to as well. So locations are... I guess specific to what the doctors um, want and choose to go to, and but there's some pretty interesting stuff out there. Yeah, no, it is a very, very diverse marketplace indeed. Um, one of the issues, I suppose, is trying to get work with the doctors to try and exactly assist what it is that's going to suit them best. I know ultimately they tend to fall into one or two camps, whether that be the the larger locations or the smaller locations, but there's still a huge amount of variety that goes beneath that. Um, what's the I, I love, I'm loving reading these questions back 
what's the craziest thing that's ever happened uh while you've been working in uh, in medical recruitment oh gosh there's there's a multitude of uh I guess experiences I could explain about locums out on particular jobs and things that have gone one way or the other but um, there is one that strikes me um, and it was right when I joined um, into medical recruitment in 2011 and I think you and I were there together at the RMA in um, Alice Springs so that's the Rural Uh, Medicine Australia Conference uh, where hundreds of doctors were stranded in Alice. Um, The Qantas uh, well, Qantas grounded all of their fleet and it meant that on the day that we were all meant to return from the conference back to our um, homes and for the doctors to their rural communities where they had patients booked for the next day, um, no one could get out of there. So the logistics in uh, watching, as I say, hundreds of doctors try and, you know, they were they were flying in private planes to get doctors home. They were hiring cars to drive, you know, a number of days. People were jumping in with another person's car who might be getting them to X destination. So um, it was total chaos um, seeing all these rural doctors who had already taken time out to do this annual conference um, not be able to get home. So. Yeah, I do remember that. that was 2011, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yeah, I remember it was convenient that... Um, uh, Alan Joyce was, uh, he let the politicians fly out of Perth, I believe, to make sure that they all got into the air and got home before he then made the decision to uh, to ground the fleet. But uh, yeah, I think there's probably, I think it was 450 doctors or something like that that were stranded in Alice. Um, you and I flew back via Darwin eventually, didn't we? I've got recollections of sleeping on the floor in Darwin Airport for a few hours. <laughs> we sure did, yeah. We had to divert from our direct flight from Alice to Sydney and yeah, detour via Darwin and get on the uh, the red eye to start work on Monday morning so we weren't <laughs> were t- t- well we were affected but um yeah I'm sure some of the for the rural doctors it was a different story for their patients that were booked for that next day now um it leads me to a bit of a segue here so your your um, other half and he said uh, the wrong words that your other half um is a Qantas pilot so um do you ever bring do you ever bring this issue up with him and uh, raise this at dinner table conversation no, I think we, we keep these things fairly separate, Ryan. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you could you could bring it up at the uh, at the husbands at the husbands and wives or partners ball, whatever you want to call it, on the annual basis, and uh, voice your opinions to Joycey. He's he's a freight carrier, so he wouldn't be able to help out with the uh, transport of doctors anyway. He only does horses <laughs> and boxes. <laughs> well, if if travel keeps getting the way it goes, we might have to be shipping some of these doctors via freight. So we'll see how we go. Um. Moving on to sort of current market and stuff like that, uh, Verity, um, paperwork process is something that's hugely spoken about because I, I, I know from memory and still from hearing what goes on on a daily basis that the paperwork across the market is still a challenge. Any advice you'd give to doctors and, and, and everyone involved as to how best to approach it and what you find works best? Uh, look, coming from where we sit, we do all that work for you. So as an agent, we will um, do, um, we have a fantastic system called Flows to Forms, which is an online system. It takes sort of 10 to 15 minutes to fill out a questionnaire and then all of a sudden we can populate all of your um, data onto our documents. So whether it be a Queensland Health credentialing application or a privacy policy or um, a Medicare form, um, that enables us to then pre-populate all of your data and then shoot it out to you um, and you can electronically um, deal with the ins and outs of what the hospitals require. So 
whilst paperwork is a huge part of what we do, um, we will help you through that process as much as we can. Um, unfortunately, you know, I guess every state has its own credentialing system and then within the state there are separate health districts which have their own requirements and, and systems. So um, we're here to help, help you, I guess, through all of that. Um, and, you know, once we've got all your paperwork, then we will, um, you know, take all of that away from you as your agent. Very good. Make it, you make it sound simple. Well, we, <laughs> it's not so simple from our end, but we'll make it as simple as we can for the doctor and for the hospital. So, No, indeed. It, it is a necessary evil, of course. It's an important part of the role. And, um, you know, we, we never, very rarely does anybody in the market ever end up in a situation where there's a doctor working without a complete set of paperwork. So although it is quite a challenging conversation, sometimes initially with some people, there is the reality that in most cases, you're not going to set foot into a into a, a hospital facility across Australia without having a complete deck of paperwork in place. So when you know the end outcome means that it needs to be complete, it needs to be got there by hook or by crook. So uh, um, after the usual usual moaning and groaning, we usually get there. Um, from from the other side of the fence, what, what do you think the clients are looking for in terms of doctors? I know you touched upon um, um, longer term commitments in some of the rural areas, getting that continuity of care, um, you know, the repeat doctors back and forth. What, Anything else you think that they might be be seeking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if a doctor goes to a location and they start building some rapport with the patients, um, with the clinic staff, the hospital staff, um, and they can continue to go back, it makes um, a really fantastic um, regular spot, not only for the hospital, but also for the doctor um, and the community as a whole. So I think um, a lot of the clients are looking for, if they've got regular gaps, which we're seeing more and more of, um, they're looking for that continuity of availability. Um, to then be able to provide that to the patients. Um, it also creates uh, less paperwork. Um, so once we've done all your paperwork once, then it's really just touching up of anything that might have expired, whether it be your medical indemnity or your APRA or um, things like that. So I guess that's one aspect. Um, the hospital's also looking for seamless paperwork and agencies to be really over and knowledgeable about what their specific requirements are. So that's where we do pride ourselves to, um, you know, know most of the hospitals inside and out as to what they need. And um, by having a, um, a paperless system, the way that we operate, it actually um, helps support us to provide to those clients as best we can. Good, good. And what about from the doctor side of things? What do you think they're looking for? I've got one thing springs to mind before you answer, and that is not regardless of the workplace, it's often the accommodation that can uh, be the sticking point. Yeah, look, absolutely. I think every doctor's motives are different, to be perfectly honest. So whether it's a full-time locum, an occasional locum, or even a locum um, doctor that does, you know, one working holiday a year, um, we really have to listen to what those do doctors uh, after and really find roles to address um, what it is that they're looking for. So ultimately, I think, um, you know, some doctors looking for a destination where they can go um, and have a bit of a working holiday with their family. Other doctors are actually looking to try and upskill and work alongside, um, you know, other directors and see how they might be able to take things back to their own hospital to improve their systems. Um, other doctors are just going to uh, quite frankly, stay out of the politics of what might be um, in a full-time role. They just can come into a, a job, do their job, do their clinical work and then um, get out of there. So um, ultimately, every doctor is different. Um, 
there's a locum placement at the moment when you raise accommodation that um, a critical point on that is that um, it's suitable both for he and his wife and with cooking facilities so that they can actually provide their own meals for the two-week period that they're going to do a locum. And I know I've expressed to the client that if um, that accommodation is satisfactory, then that doctor is looking at doing two-on-two-off regularly. So it's really about making these environments and locations comfortable and as best they can so that the doctor can go and really feel part of the community um, and enjoy the work that they're doing. Yeah, it's a real challenge because I know certainly in some of the more regional and rural locations, there's an issue with, you know, lack of hospital accommodation um, because it was never intended to be that way. And also as well, of course, um, there just isn't the local housing stock in the rental market, which just creates further challenges. So I do feel for all parties involved in this, it is an ongoing challenge that we, you know, get involved with to to try and resolve. Um, Touching on the market, I mean, you know, as a sort of looking ahead, how do you see the the, the Dr. Locum market developing over the coming years? So you've, uh, you've, you've, you're a decade into it now. So oh, gosh. A, well, over, over a decade, 11 years. <laughs> but uh, um, I'm guessing you've seen quite a few changes to a certain extent. But uh, what are you thinking looking ahead? Yeah, I guess, uh, look, the hot topic at the moment is what you uh, – talked about just briefly earlier which is right so um, I returned from maternity leave I went on maternity leave sorry in February 2021 and returned 12 months later so in February of this year and uh, to be perfectly honest I hadn't seen really any rate increases in the in the 10 years prior um, and they're there has been a huge shift from um, the hospitals in terms of pay rates at the moment. So that is a, it is a hot topic, not only for the doctors, but also for the hospitals, the executives um, and agencies. And I don't really know where it's going to go in the next six to 12 months, but it's an interesting time because we've got not only doctor shortages, but we've also got inflation and interest rates increasing. So it'll be an interesting space to watch over the next six or 12 months to see what unfolds. Um, But I guess my focus has always been just finding the right doctors for the right roles and trying to support the communities as best we can. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. There's quite a lot of things that you've mentioned that are definitely out of our control, in particular the rates. Um, As many people know, we, we very rarely get involved in any of the dictation of the rates. Um, they're often dictated to us by the clients um, based on what they're having to deal with supply and demand, um, which is some in some places, I think, is a bit of a common misconception because I think some um, states and territories potentially think that the, the locum agencies are, are controlling the rates, which is certainly not the case. Wish we were to a certain extent, um, although I am slightly uncomfortable at how high some of the rates have got. Like you said, though, um, Many of these rates didn't change for 10, 11, 12 years prior to all this. It was certainly something that was starting to change before COVID. And then COVID accelerated some of that change through the significant disruption to the demand and the distribution of the doctors. The fact that they either couldn't do work or they could do work. But even if they did want to do work, they couldn't get across borders. It created all sorts of things we'd never seen before. There was the the usual flow of 1,500 junior British and Irish doctors that um, that usually come into Australia every year that didn't come. Um, some of the existing 1,500 that come every year did stay, but then that started to peter out as um, as things opened up and borders opened up. So there's been all sorts of levels of disruption um, at both ends of the market, um, which we've seen, which I think is probably playing into these rates. Um, I think we'll probably see them settle down in some way, shape or form, but what that looks like, we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, absolutely. What, while we've got you, um, just for a bit of a plug, um, you mentioned it before, you've worked with absolutely 
dozens if not hundreds of course of amazing doctors over the years and you've worked in dozens again if not hundreds of amazing incredible locations across Australia some of which are absolutely picture postcard beautiful we are running a competition at the moment um, which was launched in the last couple of weeks and we were asking doctors that work for us to um, get their best photos in from their travels and uh, we've already had um, three or four uh, sorry maybe five or six doctors actually send in some amazing photos of some incredible incredible locations so while we mention about all the all the um interesting places it's good to try and get that plug in so please if people are listening get those get those photos in um very it's been very insightful thank you so much um i suppose um i should probably wrap this up shortly and leave you you've, you've probably got time to get back across the road to the school sports day and get in the egg and spoon <laughs> race if you want i've actually got a uh, few pressing flight matters to deal with and <laughs> and a few locum contracts to confirm but yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't worry i know there's always the impending pressure of work behind the scenes and um, very you've been very insightful day thank you so much if i leave you on one question before i let you get back to your lovely arlo and ellie and back to your uh, your family life and whatnot for the day after the flights of course um, what advice would you give to somebody um, wanting to pursue a career in medical recruitment? Maybe somebody who's never done it before, like yourself originally, um, or maybe somebody that's working in a different area of recruitment and wanted to transition across. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, well, as I mentioned earlier, I had worked, I'd come from back in of law and had been working as a lawyer and really didn't know what I was stepping into when I um, moved over to medical recruitment recruitment but I, I certainly know I've never looked back and it's been a really um, rewarding and enjoyable career step. Um, I guess you're working with quality doctors and you are able to dictate who you work with um, and where you place doctors into so uh, I find it a really rewarding role being able to have conversations and really help doctors career paths and there's some doctors I've worked with for well, 11 years essentially. Um, so I've really helped, um, I guess, shape what their careers have looked like and where they um, go and work. And um, whilst it is extremely challenging, it's a lot of hard work, but there's a huge amount of reward. And ultimately, you know, you're making a difference to these rural communities and their hospital um, deliveries. So. Very good. Well, hopefully that's a good advert for people who want to uh, to get into medical recruitment. We are, if you are listening, we are always looking, so don't hesitate to get in touch. Um, very, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for first off this uh, conversation with you today, but also as well the last eleven years. Um, and I look forward to. Uh, can't believe I'm going to say this, but the next eleven years. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. But I do actually foresee myself being here at One Medical for the next eleven years. So that's no, uh, yeah, nothing new to me. So yeah, thanks I'll very hold, much for your I'll, time. I'll hold you to that. Come, come eleven or not, <laughs> that'll take us to ooh, 2033, I believe. Yeah, no, goodness me. I don't, I don't even want. I don't even want to think what age on the clock will be on the horizon for me. Um, Verity, I'll let you get back to it. Thank you so much again. And um, I hope people that are listening have enjoyed this. And uh, we'll be back in the near future with the third edition of the One Medical, One in Focus podcast. And uh, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vez. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.